Take two. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, Empires of the Future, and we are here to talk about a pretty important uh, topic that you came across reading the New York Times, and um, so yeah, this is really kind of up our alley right. when it comes to, to a topic that as pastors. Right. So this uh, is an article about spiritual directors, sometimes also called spiritual companions. The the real interest uh, I think this article raises is about this topic of spiritual hunger that mm. that there are needs yeah. that we have and. Uh, as materialist as we have become, spiritual needs will show themselves, and the more you neglect them, the more they will show themselves. Right, uh, it is as, a part of the human. Right, as yeah. needs tend to do. Yes. <laughs> when you ne- neglect them, they show themselves. Yeah, especially during a time of, <clears throat> of, of chaos and struggle, which this past nine or so months have been since March, uh, not only with the pan- with the pandemic, but then with an election that was chaotic as well, right. uh, there's a lot of, um, you know, a lot, a lot of people realizing that they've neglected the spirit, right? Their right. spirituality, they've neglected the soul. Uh, there's more to the human uh, essence than uh, just the mind and the body. There is a soul. There is yeah. a, and as Christians and readers of the Bible, we understand the spirit, right? That, yeah. uh, that God created in God's image. Uh, that we have, as the right of Ecclesiastes says, we have eternity, eternity built into us, mm-hmm. right? And so people are realizing that they have this, and they are uh, attempting, uh, as this article shows, maybe not well, to feed that, that part of them. Right. Yeah. And, and so I, I really hope we can offer kind of some clarity of what, what this is actually about, what this is dealing with. Um, there are there are some concerns here that I have, you know, sure. as a as a minister. But even just as a person who cares about people, um, something there's some things going on here that uh, are questionable and uh, want to raise some, you know, uh, concerns about. Uh, but hopefully, the most I want to do here is clarify what what are the actual spiritual needs. Will this address them? Because you know, look, uh, this uh, this raises all kinds of good questions, but the Absolutely. answers given are n- not just good. not going to be helpful. No. I, I mean, they're they're not. They're not going to get you very far. And I think as we we go through it, it's pretty easy to point at the reasons why. Uh, so that's that's what I like to do. So this is called uh, "Can Spiritual Directors Help?" Uh, like you said, it's out of the New York Times by who again? Uh, Andrea Cooper. Andrea Cooper. And uh, the subtitle is Non-Denominational Spiritual Companions Offer to Connect Clients to the Divine in Their Everyday Life. And, uh, and you were listening to Dr. Al Mohler's briefing, and, that, yep. and he introduced this article, right? Right. So he talked about it some. Uh, this, uh, I, to me, it was just worthy of consideration at length uh, yeah. because there's always... Um, one of the things that I think we tend to do is, as people is we we like to look for our own ways to solve problems. Uh, but in this regard, one of the things I found strange is um, people, I think, are getting so desperate that going to places that might not have much to back them up, but, for instance, with this, there's also not a lot of authority behind it, so it's very non-threatening. Yeah. And, man, that's... Um, that to me is is like saying, "Boy, I haven't eaten in a month. 
and I'm looking to start some new habits, and then just assuming whatever your impulse might be, that that would just establish good habits. I'll just eat McDonald's every day, and that'll probably turn out okay. Yeah, it kind of reminded me also of, you know, like, you know how when people, like, Google online, and they're, maybe they have a sickness, but they realize, oh, if I go to the if a U.S. hospital, right, but they'll charge me, and I'll have to spend all this money on hospital bills. Oh, I found this random place in Mexico, right? right? And they have this experimental... Uh, uh, procedure and it's like you know it's half the price or even less I'll go there right and, and I'll get the, the help I need and I'll right. show I'll show them right. you know I found the secret place to go and I feel like it's kind of like, like it's not experts it's people that have kind of marketed themselves in this kind of fancy language um, but there really doesn't seem a lot of, like a lot of substance involved a lot of, a lot of depth to what these people are, are offering, these spiritual directors or these spiritual companions, I guess. Right, 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 right. So, so let's jump into it and we can clarify these questions. Uh, the article starts out this way, that uh, a lady here needed some help, and uh, she says, quote, so she hired Susan Pannier Cass, a spiritual director and ordained minister, to talk about what she was experiencing, including raising her six-year-old son in a pandemic at a time of widespread unrest. Uh, I think that... A place to start here is that anxiety is a spiritual matter. I mean, the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fear is a very present form of anxiety. Anxiety is a lower form of fear. Uh, Look, we are small things, not in control of the world. And God, uh, the world, uh, deals out wonderful gifts and enormous difficulties in a way that is very unpredictable to us. You know, you might wake up tomorrow and uh, have a a car pop up that you've always wanted at a very reasonable price and something that you've really hoped for in your life might come true. Or you might wake up tomorrow and find that you have cancer. And we, this is the world that we live in. This is, this is what we deal with. And we have questions about where God fits into that. But no matter how you answer that, there are things to be anxious about in this world. And, and so the beginning to me of uh, what sorts of questions we have spiritually are realizing, uh, okay, one, you're not in control right. of what happens. What do you do about that? Right. And th- that's a simple fact that I think there's a lot of reasons why we have come to think or feel like we ought to be more in control than we are. But we're just not. I mean, technology, I think, makes us feel more in control right. than we are. Um, but still yet, however we are coming to that, anxiety has been an issue. And, and it was an issue before the pandemic. The pandemic has just yeah. elevated. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, you mentioned the passage of <clears throat> Proverbs, the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You know, the fear of God is a very rational fear, right? If you read the Bible... Uh, if you understand God's character, his power, his attributes, that is a rational fear. And mm-hmm. actually, the Bible promotes that fear. It's like, <laughs> hey, you should be afraid of God because I mean, right. he's in control. Right. Have you read the book of Job? You realize that God can do whatever he wants. He's right. not under control. You can't, uh, even if you lived a moral life like Job, that is not somehow put God in a box that he has to act in a certain way, right? right. Job found that out quite, quite uh, in a very you know, pronounced way. Uh, there's also also rational fears. Like, you know, death is a, f- That's right. a rational fear. Hence why we don't 
typically jump off buildings or right. run out in the middle of the road because we realize that's a rational fear. Like, we don't even run over. Like, that's not something we right. inclined to do. And, you know, I've, over the years, I've run into such uh, poignant and powerful comments. I, I remember the last thing I read about this was somebody saying, you know, I'm, I'm less afraid of death as I am of all the pain that will probably precede it. <laughs> it's like, that's fair. That's, that's totally fair. fair. That's, that's why you have nerves, Very right? reasonable. Yeah. You know, my, my, my son and daughter hate shots. Shots. That's a fairly rational fear, right? It is. It, it, it really it hurts. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> you know? Um, but anxiety is a, it's an unrational fear. It's a, a fear of the emotion, right? You, and a lot of times anxiety is put in, the, put in the context of the unknown future, right? Mm-hmm. You're, you're anxious about... Something you you can't see, something mm-hmm. you can't feel, something you can't uh, prevent, mm-hmm. right? And that's why you're anxious about it. Um, and so for many people, I think you're right, technology has given people this sense that they can somewhat um, control what the future is going to hold, or they can almost hold themselves from certain uh, actions against themselves. Uh, but, uh, or like, you know, options, right? You have so many options in life, you know, you can choose A or B and mm-hmm. then, you know, all oh, there's, you know, a reason why I'm not choosing B is because I think, uh, it'll cause this amount of pain or this amount of loss or, I, and so I'll choose A. So there's all these different options, but yet even with a bunch of options, even with technology, even with even probably more knowledge than any other generation in history, we still cannot predict what's going to happen. We can't control what's going to happen. We can't even prevent what's going to happen. And I think it causes people to be extremely anxious yeah. and full of this fear that is, again, emotional. It's unrational. It's not like a monster and they're going, I'm afraid of X. It's something that you can't even see or perceive. Right. And so it creates a lot of a lot of anxiousness. Yep. And yeah, that's certainly. where a lot of people are. And so uh, a... A spiritual need is to, one, realize you're not in control, and then, two, what do you do with anxiety? Um, Anxiety is uh, an intuitional response to the fact that things can go wrong. And, And so it's not, anxiety in itself is telling you, you might not be dealing with reality the way that you ought to be. Yeah. Uh, And... Yes, there are times where your anxiety is off base. You have too much of it. But I think because we have not paid enough attention to uh, the spiritual side of ourselves, these things are becoming so strong that we're having knee-jerk reactions to uh, responses that are just not going to be helpful. And so so that would be uh, the first one. Now, we move in this article to certain things that basically don't make a big difference either way, but a part of what happens when your needs get so heavy is that you will then go anywhere that even lessens them a little bit. And so there's uh, another paragraph here that talks a lot about how a common kind of spiritual director bit of advice is kind of take your shoes off, find your center, walk out in the grass, Find what brings you peace. Which is just fancy, like Zen Buddhism, uh, meditation. Right. 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 And I mean, meditation, Christians can meditate, meditate, especially on the scriptures. uh, But then... And yoga is... Right. And and, and there's that whole Eastern uh, side of things. You know, what's tough about this is that um, to present this sort of stuff as if it will solve much as far as like taking a walk in the grass. 
Like, you know, look, taking a walk of any kind. Okay, fine. Yeah. You know, um, but then you end up with sort of phrases that um, finding your center. Right. You know, look, you're not so mysterious, uh, especially in comparison to other human beings. Our spiritual selves have a lot in common with other uh, people. The needs of humans, spiritually speaking, are pretty predictable. Right. Uh, Guilt is real. It's a real thing. You're going to feel bad if you do something you know you shouldn't do. If you do something that your conscience tells you, hey, that, was, that, was, that was a bad, bad thing. That, the guilt is that's a real thing. That's mm-hmm. the, you, you need to figure out what you're going to do about that. Uh, shame is real, mm-hmm. uh, where you will feel hurt by if somebody, I mean, somebody you trust especially, but if people in general tell you, you should feel bad for this. There will be something triggered inside of you. Go, well, wait, I have to do something about that. And you do. We've kind of acted as if, uh, as if kind of mind over matter. We can yeah. just blow this sort of stuff off. Right. And that's just not the case. Right. You can't. There is a sense where there's a disconnection between the body and the mind, and the mind has far more power. And then you just go outside and you just connect your mind to the peaceful, quiet essence of what surrounds you right. and and then that will put you at ease or mm-hmm. as this says you said center or balance yeah, yeah. or zen yeah. that's, a, that's a, a popular term um finding ultimate meaning and i and i guess the the need to connect with the the earth you know taking your shoes off putting your feet in the dirt is it i guess it gives you this sense of like i'm no different than the dirt that my feet are in I, i'm connected to the world at large um, you know, it, I guess it does give it a sense of divineness where there's a sense where connection to nature and, con- and connection to what surrounds me, it's almost like I'm in this new, I don't know if I'm, I'm, I'm home or I'm now not alone. Uh, I'm connected to the spirits around me. Um, and for a moment, I guess you are connected to this and you kind of are at a spiritual healthy place. Right. But the problem is, is once you put your shoes back on and you, you go back inside and you check your emails at work, that goes away right? in some ways. Or maybe it'll go away eventually. Right. It tends to wear off. And so, um, and I, and so I'm a suppo- supposing these, these spiritual companions uh, are these kind of uh, co-partners in this, this, this discovery for these people personally to find their center. Define where they have ultimate meaning, where they find their zen. I think one way to summarize it is this: that um, the Christian position is that if you are looking for the divine and the center of the universe, look to God and don't right. look inside of yourself. Right. That that is the Christian position. God is the beginning. We were made by Him. Uh, they are right in Genesis. We were made in His image. Um, but that if you are looking inside of yourselves for all the answers to the problems of the universe, man, you're mining for gold yeah. in a coal mine. Yeah, uh, much so. And it's not going to happen. Very much so. You, you're just not going to find it, and that's, it's a fool's task. It's a fool's errand. You're not going to find it there. And that's as clearly as I can say what the problem is with thinking you'll find these deepest... You're, you're just too small to find the deepest answers to this world inside of yourself. We're not, we're not that big to be able to find those answers inside us, so it's not going to happen. And so that's a, a concern. But look, these, these 
spiritual needs are real. I mean, mm-hmm. guilt is real. Shame is real. Uh, death is real. People that you love will be in pain. Mm-hmm. Suffering is real. Mm-hmm. You will experience it, but you will also watch as other people that you love deal with it. And that's hard. That is horribly hard. So you need some real answers to these questions that are as fundamental, as important as any questions that we have, mm-hmm. as any questions any human has ever come up with. These are the most important ones. And I think that, you know, uh, there's a definition on like what is religion. Uh, and one of the definitions that I like is, is uh, when you recognize something outside of yourself that has more power or bigger mm-hmm. than you are, right? And so I think for people, while they may look inside themselves, they're still going to have to look to something outside themselves that's more powerful than them to give them meaning, right? Yeah. And I think the, 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 the natural tend for some, for some people who are spiritual, and as this, this article says, uh, this is a Zen Buddhist priest, she says, most people come to spiritual direction looking for ultimate meaning. However, they might define it. We don't define it for them. Yeah. And so people are, 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 are trying to search for some, something outside themselves that's bigger than them. That's why you have you know, Hinduism and these, these religions that are they're looking at the unknown God, right, who's unknowable. Um, and, and so they have these avatars that they worship, and these avatars really kind of represent the, the, the higher God, but they don't know that God, right? He's right. Brahma. And so people are in Allah with Islam. They're looking to something outside themselves that's bigger than them that gives them meaning. So you take the secular soul, the Westerner, who doesn't believe in the Christian religion or Islam or uh, they don't believe in a higher God. Well, they have to believe in something outside themselves that has power. And right. so that to look inside yourself isn't going to cut it right? Um, because you have flaws. Right. You, have, you can basically identify some of your flaws. Right. Um, and so to look at yourself as the divine um, standard is like very... I mean, that's not going to be very, uh, I think it'll provide hope yep. in your life. And so I guess what people do is they go outside, they look at nature, they look at the universe, which is unknowable in a sense. You can't understand everything about the universe. And you go, well, there's something about the universe or something about nature. There's the beauty of nature. It's outside me. It's, it's big. It may be even viewed as powerful in some ways. Um, and that's how people are somehow connecting to the divine. Mm-hmm. But the when it comes to the personal aspects of this divine, well, they have to look within themselves mm-hmm. as as almost a natural, um, a, a nature figure or, or something that they perceive that has a person uh, that has a being, an essence. They look into, inside themselves and almost give themselves an, an own divine nature. And say, I just gotta get, I gotta get more right with who I am, and that will make me the better me, or that will improve me spiritually. If I can just fix myself or get more comfortable with who I am, that will then propel me into uh, spiritual health. Or yeah. it's very difficult to talk about because it's so personal and it's so vague. Right. And it's, even if you're listening to this, you're like, I don't understand what, what they're talking about. It's exactly kind of the point. Mm-hmm. It's so strange. It's so personal. It's so vague that it's hard to really put any definition to it. Yeah. That and, makes sense. And I think a part of what uh, the real reason I wanted to cover this is uh, it does not have to be vague. These things are actually very, uh, they're not concrete, but they are real. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they are fundamental to who we are as humans. Um, and so... 
For instance, you know, the Bible says there's a God in heaven who forgives sins. Either that's true or it's not. Right. And spiritual things are this way, that while it is difficult at first, especially to grasp them, look, you can get to the point to where you understand what you're dealing with, um, and you need to because we all have these needs. Uh, again, when we're talking about guilt, shame, pain, mm-hmm. death, uh, anxiety, forgiveness. Look, these are fundamental to who we are as, and what we are as humans. You're going to deal with them in your life. Mm-hmm. And there are really bad answers to what we do about them and really good answers, just like there are in, say, uh, nutrition. There's things that are really bad for you. Mm-hmm. And then there's things that are really good for you. And also, uh, I think it's very comparable in nutrition. Look, some of the things that are good for you are not always going to taste great. Right. And, and it just ends up working that way. We get a sense about this stuff. I think we all start with a sense of it. But language that obscures what's really going on is a part of the problem in this. We don't need to use language that obscures what's actually going on in these realities. And, and that would be uh, the issue in not just this article, but in kind of this, uh, the trends that you've seen in self-help for years. Yeah. It's yep. very vague. Yep. Uh, very it, not, there's no concreteness to it. Right. And there, even when you're, you talk about guilt, like for a lot of self-help books, or for a lot, yeah, and I'm going to guess in these spiritual companion conversations, guilt is removed, right? right. I mean, right. it's like, if it's if you if, if you've done something wrong, well, what is wrong? And maybe you were forced to make that decision based off someone else, mm-hmm. or maybe it wasn't really your fault. Maybe the environment uh, that you're in, the context you're in, demanded that you make that decision. So and so guilt. Well, if God's taken out of the equation, who are you guilty towards? Right. Like, who's who has authority over you? Has who has who are you accountable to? Well, you're not really accountable to anyone. You're only accountable to yourself. So therefore, who do you feel guilty? Too. That's right, and, and, and that kind of creates the 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 issue of, of I am my own god, and I am surrounded by other people that you know that need to find their ultimate meaning in life, and we don't need to define that for each other. You just define that individually. So therefore, where do you have this sense of guilt or shame right. or even? And as far as an assessment of the state of where we are, what you just said is so helpful because if you were even honest and if you had clear vision about what this is at all, you would know that you're going to have to get beyond these questions about how you just feel right within yourself mm-hmm. and have a basic s- strategy for how you work out a disagreement or a fracturing of a relationship with someone and think about how rare it is that somebody's kind of self-help-based idea uh, comes to a real structure and a strategy for how to reconcile with someone, how yeah. to reconcile with a group of people, right. how to make it right with your family. Say if uh, I've known families who have had uh, disagreements over, say, a will or when a family member dies and it breaks up a family because we fight over the stuff that's left over. Think about how rare it is that you see a strategy for how to reconcile those relationships. Look, folks, this is just level two. Yeah. Uh, we, we, you rarely get past level one because there's so much vacuous, empty talk about, well, you know, just ask yourself how you feel about this. It's just like, listen, 
How you feel is not so mysterious. Right. You, you're probably, if, if, you're, if you have a hard time expressing your own feelings, you should talk to some people around you. They know you well enough to help right. you s- express how right. you feel. Right. But you're going to have to get beyond that right. because there, there are ways to go beyond just level one how you feel about these issues. Yeah. And it's discouraging how little of that uh, happens out of these. But uh, you were... You were uh, kind of talking about exactly what spiritual companions do, and that was the next uh, bullet point that I had here. So here's a quote from the uh, article. Quote, spiritual companions, also known as spiritual directors, are guides whose purpose is to listen deeply to clients and help them explore their spirituality, usually in a non-denominational capacity. Okay, look, it is, I hope it can become shocking how much we trust this word spiritual as, as being just good and positive. Yeah. Meanwhile, the word religious is obviously is, is, uh, commonly used as negative yeah. and harsh. Yeah. Right. Look, spiritual is just to recognize the basic needs that we have. You have come upon the beginnings of a religion when you have some idea what to do about right. spiritual things. Right. You, you have begun your religion right. when you have decided anything right. about what to do about spiritual Spirit. things. Right. These are very similar words. Look, there's bad spirituality and there's bad religion, right. certainly. Right. But the way that commonly people look at, oh, spiritual, that probably means good. Mm-hmm. But religious, that's heavy. That's yeah. heavy. Look, both these things are heavy. Look, right. I mean, right. guilt is heavy. Right. That is one of the heaviest things we know of. But the way that we think of spirituality as, as being, oh, it's super good. That's, that's Yeah, and I think that maybe what people do is they, they, they really put undefined mm-hmm. at a really high position, right? So spirituality is, again, like not concrete. It's quite vague. It's not defined, right? It's personally defined, right? Mm-hmm. Where religion is so defined, it's historically defined. It mm-hmm. even has a book or maybe several books that right. define it has a building, maybe, that people will then practice this religion. It has individuals who are have pretty fancy titles, right? right. Who then practice or lead, right. uh, maybe rule over right. the the religion, and so it's like defined, ooh, heavy, ah, mm-hmm. personal. Oh, spirituality, ah, personal. I can define it on my own. Even these companions are saying, no, 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 don't let anyone define it for you. I'm not even going to define it for you. Right. You define what it is, and I'm just going to help you guide to the answer that you want to find or, or that you want to state about whatever spirituality means to you. Right. Uh, let me get real specific about it. So, for instance, uh, pride, arrogance, conceit, vanity, this whole family of issues is a spiritual evil. Uh, this, is, this is just basic Christian doctrine about mm-hmm. some of the horrible things that we can make a place for inside of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Pride, mm-hmm. pride being I'm the center of the universe. I define my own reality. Therefore, if you are useful to me, I will use you. If you are not, I will kick you away. Right. Look, that is, that is spiritual evil. Right. But if you are operating on this, oh, spirituality is positive, you will never recognize how destructive pride is to yourself and everything in your life. Uh, and so uh, this is just a, a basic element of how spirituality in and of itself is just not a net yeah. positive. Yeah. Love is positive. Right. Love is sacrifice. Right. That, that's, God is love. We were made in his image. We need to be loved. We need to be known. Um, but spirituality in and of itself is just not a net positive. And, and, and then, so applications of this then, if you go to counseling 
you are getting religion. Right. Counseling is about you have spiritual needs. Here's what you should do about them. You are, that is, as soon as you move to action, this is a structure of what you should do about that issue. You're moving into the territory of religion. And it is shocking the, the way that we have come to just believe in general that spirituality is just well, that's the good stuff. It's, it's all around. But as soon as you decide, look, it, 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 the literal comparison is if, if you have realized that you need to eat, and that's as far as you've gotten, you are nowhere. Yeah. You, you have made no action that will positively help you. Right. Uh, and that's where often we live with this stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, spirituality, I'm more into that. I'm not into religion. I mean, that literally is like saying, yeah, I'm aware that I have needs. Uh, I've been in a holding pattern as to what to do about that for quite a long time. Yeah. Like, okay, you're nowhere. Yeah, I realize I need to eat. I noticed there's food to choose from, but I'm not going to choose any of them. Right. I'm just going to stay in this this state of undecided, undefined. I'm just going to I'm just going to let the desire fester and just be there, but I never really do much with it. And I'll have these people point to me the different options I have, yeah. or maybe even and ask me some questions and maybe I actually will respond to in certain ways, but um, you're still, and I, and it was so interesting about this because I've used the term, and I don't maybe it's not maybe it's not accurate, but I've I've used this term that this kind of new age spirituality is no real. It's what I've called it is neo paganism. It's paganism just brought back again because you're you're a student of the Old Testament, you know, and the Old Testament prophets talked about this as well. You know, these guys who built their own idols, it's really what they were doing, right? They had spirituality right and so here's what they did they took a piece of wood or whatever the material was they cut it down and molded it into a little idol and they took that idol and they prayed to it and said this thing gives me meaning and i'm just gonna look to it if i want my crops to grow i'll just pray to it and maybe through my prayers and then me actually working the land that it somehow is associated with one another Um, and if it doesn't produce the the crops that i hope it will will then I'll dismiss this God and go on to another, right? And um, is there anything real different between what was practiced in the beast, the ancient days with idols and that w- what you see with New Age or, as I call it, ne- neo-paganism? So I think it's paganism without guts. I think that it's paganism uh, without... I mean, it's paganism with That's added, possible, added yeah. shame yeah. because I don't want to be seen as... Uh, look like I need something else exterior I can do this and and kind of act like I'm not really doing anything and the fact of the matter is you're not doing much it's not gonna get you very far I think the pagans probably got a little further because they were at least open there trying something and it either succeeded or failed right these these spiritualities are so vague that you can walk around and go I am I really trying anything you can't know I can't know right and you can walk away from it going I can tell other people I feel good I feel mediocre. I feel bad. It it doesn't have all of the testing process. And, and this is the thing about this. I mean, look, I am very okay with saying, who is God? That's a worthy question. Go, go after it. Listen, yeah. you don't have to take my word for it. I mean, the Bible itself says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Give it a shot. Right. But we live among a people who are in a lot of ways, too prideful to give it a shot. Yeah, I don't want to be seen as weak. I don't want to be seen as like needing somebody else. Like, well, you do, okay? You do. That's a proposition. A you need call. something else yeah, yeah, exactly. besides yourself. Right. And it's either true or that's false. And and right. and I think it's that's very easily testable. Yeah. <laughs> you need some other people in your life, but ultimately, you need more help than any person on this earth can offer to you. 
I can't, I can't keep myself from dying. I can't keep, uh, I can't keep pain out of my life. Yeah. I cannot, no matter how much I want to, no matter what sort of mantras I might say to myself over and over again, there's no guilt, there's no guilt, there's still guilt. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I can't get around it. Right. And we are so um, fake, I think, about this stuff. I mean, seriously, if you don't want to be fake about what, whatever you're trying spiritually, tell some other people, right. talk to them about how it goes, and you might actually get somewhere. Right, right. Uh, we just don't do that. You we know, don't it's, do it. It's, uh, there's a great book called, like, You Are What You Worship, and when you worship yourself, you worship a God of anxiety, mm-hmm. and therefore, what you worship, you're full of anxiety, and the God you worship is full of anxiety. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's no progress right. out of that, because you... You worship a God who's full of fear, uh-huh. because that's what you are, right. right? But if you worship a God that is, uh, that is true, a God that is personable, a God who is uh, uh, full of knowledge and power, and, and also a God who uh, is sacrificial by sending his own son in the world to die for your sins, uh, there's a sense where, okay, I know I'm not God, and, but I worship a God, and that right there gives me hope. And peace, because I know I have a God that's in control, mm-hmm. you know, and um, where Israel always struggled as a people is that they would worship these gods, and they became like these gods that they worshiped, like with no ears to hear, no hearts to understand, mm-hmm. and no eyes to see God's works amongst them, and that led them to being uh, full of fear of other nations. It made them make bad decisions. Right. It made them uh, concerned all the time if they're going to be able to uh, produce enough crops to, to survive a new year, right. even though that they knew about the one true God who is in control of the crops, who's in control right. of the seasons, who's in control of all the, the nations that surround them that want to just conquer them, but yet God is in control. Right. But yet they always wanted to worship the gods that were not actually real, not right. even there, that were empty that were have no power that have no knowledge and i think that's one of the issues with humanity is that we are constantly wanting to worship things that are pitiful Mm -hmm. i mean there's a reason why god told the his people in the the commandments don't make any other images to other gods because if you do that you'll start acting and you'll start you'll start being full of anxiety you'll be full of concern right. and you won't be full of peace and you won't be full of thanksgiving and you won't be full of love for right. one another it'll do the opposite for the sake of your own happiness right. do not worship these gods right don't I mean, do it one of the truths you can learn from history about what humans do is we give ourselves to things that do not satisfy us right and um this is reminding me there's a lost empires of the future episode uh, where we talked at length about Augustine of Hippo. Oh yeah. And um, this is reminding me of that because while a lot of people have heard of him at all, uh, Augustine or Augustine know that he's one of the preeminent Christian thinkers of all time, but yeah. um, this is a guy in his day who, look, in his day Plato was the man and and all the people who developed Plato's ideas, Plotinus and other other people. Yeah, yeah. So Augustine's like, I'm all in. So yeah. he lives that way. Yeah. But then he finds it unsatisfying. Right. And he moves to become a manichae. He yeah. li- agnostic teachings. Yeah. Keep in mind, he has a mistress at this time. Yeah. He, he goes Full through. Full pleasure. Yes. He tried pleasure. every pleasure there right. was. Right. And he found he was still unsatisfied. Right. And eventually, he hears, come and read, come and read. And he goes and he, he reads the Bible. And he reads it. I mean, the guy had a mind 
to sort through yeah. complicated matters. Right. But he just tried it out. Right. And he embraced and he embraced Ambrose, right? Right. He went and hear, right. heard him preach and teach the word and he became in a sense a student of Ambrose and this is what he tried. Right. And and him trying produces the confessions, right? And right. his his understanding that, you know, the things of this world, yes, are created by God, but they're not the things to satisfy man. And the things that is to satisfy, or as he says, what, and I'm going to butcher, you might get it right, the, the, the soul is always not at rest until it finds its rest in God. Yeah. And that's the, the famous uh, quote by him in, in the confession, right? Is that to, truth, to have rest is to find it in God. And if yeah. you continue to try to find rest in other things in this world, yes, that God created, that God says is good, but not to be ultimate, mm-hmm. you'll continue not to find rest. And yeah. these people who I understand there's a spiritual hunger that they're going to these companions. They're trying to define right. what does it mean to be spiritual? What does it mean to define that need filled? They'll never have rest. They'll right. Have so rest. I remember uh, you have made us for yourself and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee. Yeah. And uh, this is, this is, people look at this and they go, oh, this was always Augustine. No, this guy went through a lot of different things, but he was bold. Right. He would not be satisfied with easy answers. And he actually, he saw various kinds of spiritualities and he sought them out. He drank them in fully. Right. Right. Uh, look, we, what I typically see from us is, we dip our toe in a lot of different waters. I mean, there's a section of this article that talks about mixing and matching spirituality. Dipping your toe in a bunch of different waters is just going to end up with you a bunch of wet toes. Right. Okay? You don't, a little bit of this is not, what, a little bit of freedom from guilt? Is that what you want? Right. right I mean, right. seriously. Right. And, and this, is, this is the most common approach that people are coming up with today. It's not going to get you anywhere. No. It's not going to get you anywhere. Maybe what? what it, this is, again, this is a comparison to getting two minutes of exercise every day. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe making one meal out of the week a little better. Right. Look, this stuff is not going to get you anywhere. Right. It, it, very little difference is what it's going to make. Right. But this is the most common approach. Meanwhile, I think Augustine is a great example of a guy who, look, if you think something is the way, go after it. Right. Test it. Right. Let other people that you know and who love you know what you're doing. And by the way, listen to them. Yeah. Because they might know some stuff about you that you don't know. Right. And then test it. Yep. And see where it leads you yep. rather than, man, we dance around the things that yep. we think spiritually. We don't, a, we're yeah. afraid to be wrong, so we don't even yeah. test it. There's so. a passage, and uh, I'm preaching on this Sunday, and this is very helpful, actually, uh, in Luke 16. It's after Jesus has already given the parable of the dishonest manager. Mm-hmm. Well, then later on, verse 14 through 18, he, he talks about the Pharisees and the scribes a little bit, and he says that, you know, uh, the preaching of the kingdom of God, and they force themselves into it. Like, people are forcing themselves into it. They, they want it so badly. Mm-hmm. They want to understand that God not only is a God of creation, mm-hmm. but that he's also a God of redemption. They want to mm-hmm. hear the preaching of the, of the good news. They mm-hmm. want to hear that Jesus is who he truly is. He's yeah. not just a man who teaches with authority, but that he also heals the sick and the right. blind, that he is truly the Messiah, that he's truly the Son of God. And people are forcing themselves to hear it and mm-hmm. to to be like the woman, uh, I was reading the story to my kids, it's like the frail woman who was sick for 12 years, and what does she do? She goes to find Jesus and touches his cloak. Yep. She wants it that bad. Yep. She goes, maybe if I just touch his cloak, right. I'll be healed. Right. Forcing themselves right. to Jesus. And I think there is a sense where you, Martin Luther is another example of this. You who literally forced himself to try to be the good Catholic monk. It's Mm -hmm. just always going to the 
uh, to the nth with his passion and trying to find what is true and what is actually uh, God and who and, and, and what is it about his what is it about his word that I don't understand yeah. right and I think there is a sense in, about people just kind of dipping their toes yep. but not willing to jump in right and, and and maybe they're wrong maybe you're wrong but what do you have to lose that's right what I mean, do you really have to lose because I think the thing that a lot of us know I mean I can think back to myself before uh, the church or anything about it was a part of my life and a lot of us know that there's this huge question of where morality fits. Uh, and so it, obviously we're going to say that Jesus is the greatest moral teacher who ever lived and more. Mm-hmm. But if you think somebody else is the greatest moral teacher, then please yeah. jump, in jump in and see where they lead you. Right. Because I have no problem with saying I think you will find that Jesus is more. Mm-hmm. And that his answers are better. Mm-hmm. And, and that is what, I mean, that is what the pagan world, that is, that is how the pagan world accepted Christianity into a world that was obsessed with power. Right. Jesus came and said, I turn power upside down. Right. And it was proven to be better. So then, that's why churches exist today, yep. is it, this was more powerful yeah. than power hunger. Right. It was more powerful than pride. Right. Think about that. Listen, there were Roman emperors who did whatever they wanted, killed whoever they wanted to kill. Jesus wasn't the first person crucified. Right. He crucified people whenever they wanted to make an example out of anybody. Right. But that kind of brutality and power was conquered by not more brutality and power. And that's shocking. That ought to shock you that something happened there. Right. So that's incredible. Yeah, it and really it's is. a great analogy, I think a great connection because, you know, the the most powerful empire that the world's ever ever seen right. that literally steamrolled across territory and yep. nations. Yep. You know this this obscure uh, section of land in the world. Uh, a man from a, a obscure town in in Palestine who comes and speaks to power with such such authority, and then and then willingly allows himself to be arrested and, and brutally beaten and then put on a cross. Right. The thought process is that the Jews and the Romans had come together to, to basically do away with this her- heretic, this mm-hmm. blasphemer, blasphemer. But then three days later, he raises from the dead, right? And then therefore, the Romans have nothing. I mean, yep. what can they do? Like, yep. It doesn't matter how many soldiers or swords or cannons or crucifixions you have. You're not going to conquer that, right. um, and and no one else in the history of the world has ever been able to conquer like that power, right. and hence why we're saying that if you want to, and I think this is imp- definitely important, especially in, in areas of the world where fear is a big issue, right? Where you're afraid mm-hmm. of. Not only are you afraid of, of, of physical power, but you're afraid of spiritual powers, like mm-hmm. demonic spirits and things like that. Christ Jesus, who conquered sin and death, there is no more power bigger than that, right? right? And so if you need courage, if you need um, um, you know, uh, rest, if you need peace, if you need uh, love in this particular time in our history, you're not going to find it in anything that hasn't conquered sin and death. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's, there's no other power that you can find in the universe right. uh, than the one who conquers sin and death and sits at the right hand of the Father right. and given the name above all names. Uh, good luck discovering something with more power than that. Right, right, right. 
Seek it out. Because you're not going to find it in yourself because, again, you you're frail. You're right. weak. You're, un- you're afraid to run in the middle of the road because you know a car will hit you and kill you, right? Like, you are weak. And if that's, if that's the ultimate uh, – or if that's the, the first question or answer to ask yourself, what are my limits? Well, write those down. Right. Expose yourself to those limits and realize, should I trust something that has that many limitations? Right. Or should I trust something that is far greater and more powerful than me? Right. So. Yeah. You know, it, a concern that I have about this, I mean, uh, part of this article, I, I, did appreci- I didn't expect the turn that they take toward the end to where they say, okay – there's a couple concerns that we have about this. Uh, one, uh, here's a quote, quote, fees for spiritual direction typically run on a sliding scale up to $150 per 50-minute session. So let's summarize that by saying just uh, about uh, $150 an hour uh, for this. Uh, some directors, she says, offer pro bono services for those who can't afford to pay uh, the second thing that she says is uh, some advocate for more accountability in the profession uh, because there have been sexual harassment claims. Uh, a lot of this stuff is done online. Uh, unfortunately, you can sexually harass someone online, but I'd say it's right. less common. Sure. But this is a concern uh, in, in this matter as well. Uh, you're, you're talking about very personal matters with a person that you have frankly, called up and opened yourself up to. Right. And so all the concerns that you should have are obviously uh, present there. Um, she says, I look forward to a day when the reality of a spiritual director's sexual harassment becomes as visible as other forms of sexual abuse have become. Actually, that was a quote from uh, somebody she interviewed who had been sexually abused by, uh, by someone who they went to as a spiritual director or a spiritual companion. Wow. So that does happen. And, and look, yeah. unfortunately, though we are small and needy, that doesn't mean other people won't take advantage of you. Oh, yeah. And so that's, that's an issue. Right. I mean, it happens in the church. It happens in other places. Right. It's going to happen in places like this as well. I mean, right. it kind of goes back to the, what we've talked about is that, you know, humans are frail, they're weak, they're sinners. And to trust in either yourself or to trust in someone else uh, that is that is weak and frail and, and sinful, then that's you're gonna get some impact on yeah. that, right? And and again, that's why we're trying to trust in the Creator and the Lord, and who doesn't take advantage of people, right? Right. who doesn't sexually harass people, right. who doesn't uh, give you vague answers, who gives you very direct answers, right. and and uh, and so. I love how you started, like, because I always liked that passage in Proverbs. Like, the the beginning of wisdom starts with fear of God, yep. and and if that's rare, I mean, if I if you're listening or will listen to this, like, that's the first place you need to go is you know recognize your limitations, recognize your 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 um, your mistakes and yep. your sins, and recognize the holiness of God, and that is the best place to start. Right. So yeah, the highest respect. Ought yeah. to be due to God Almighty. Yeah. That, and that will lead to then, what do I do with myself? Right. Well, that will lead you to Christ, right. where the redemption of your sins and your justification before God are. Right. So, um, right. so I have some takeaways, because uh, there's so, so many good things in, in considering your own spiritual needs, but there's just some basic things that you got to watch out for. Um, and so... We've already mentioned that everything spiritual is not good. This is, this is the first takeaway. Everything that is spiritual is not good. You might get into more than you might think. And so one thing that we've been saying is you need to get outside of yourself. But look, here is the 
the bit of advice you need to know about getting outside of yourself. In thinking, so, so this is, uh, as, as is, I hope now clear, this is a pretty low effort way of beginning to deal with spiritual things. But it reminds me of either an article you and I have talked about before or uh, something that we've both just read about, about how people will go to psychics or mediums. Listen, you should not assume that just because I'm getting outside of myself, I'm getting in contact with something good. Right. Okay? I mean, this is a quote from 1 Corinthians 10. Uh, the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons, not to God, and I do not want you to be participants with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. You cannot have a part in both the Lord's table and the table of demons. Are we trying to arouse the Lord's jealousy? Are we stronger than he? Um, listen, your, your heart was meant for God. So yes, he is right to be jealous. He's the rightful point of connection for you. He's the rightful person you should give the deepest parts of your heart to. So he can be jealous. This is the, this is the passage that got uh, Oprah upset originally. It's like, oh, why, yeah. why, why, why would God be jealous? Well, if, if God's the rightful uh, desire of your heart, yep. then he actually loves you enough to go, don't give yourself to some other thing that won't satisfy you. Right. I want to satisfy you. I want to know you. I, wanna, I, I, I made you. For more than just you, I mean, I want to know you. Right. And so um, there is, there, there are other powers in this world. And just be careful. I, I want you to get outside of yourself and not be satisfied in yourself. But it's not as simple as any old thing will do as long as you get outside of yourself. Yeah. That's a big concern. Yeah. Uh, and I think, you know, <laughs> not to bring this up, but it's hard not to get into this a little bit. But this is what... Uh, you know, these conspiracy theories that are out there, these political conspiracy theories, these QAnon stuff that it, 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 it festers something and, and you start to, to, to believe that all these things that you've been told are true mm-hmm. and you start reacting uh, emotionally and then you start making willful decisions based off these comments and, and things that you're hearing. And uh, while you may not identify this as spiritual, it's spiritual, right? Mm-hmm. You, you're, you're, uh, you're believing a truth. Mm-hmm. You're believing a, a, a worldview and a narrative and mm-hmm. you're going along with it, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, other people are going along with it and you're believing that, yeah, yeah, this is going to happen and we're going to be uh, followers of this great movement, and that's like that's demonic. Mm-hmm. I and mean, what it leads, it leads to chaos. Right. It leads to to violence. It leads to thinking yourself better than other people, right? And that leads you to even justify assassination, right? right. I mean, this is this is stuff happens, and there are some some people that are very smart and very intelligent that are educated that will fall into these traps right. and thinking that. That this is just some some political movement you're a part of. Like, no, 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 no. This is a this is a spiritual thing that right. you are believing. And I I think there is a sense where it's like you'll have people drinking the cup of the Lord mm-hmm. while at the same moment yep. believing in this demonic spirituality, yep. and it's like ah no, right, right. Uh, we don't want you participating in things like that. Right. So it's destructive. It's destructive. Right. Right. A lot of the answers to these questions are destructive. It's not as simple as feels like this might be okay to me. Right. Uh, man, it's just not as simple as that. Yeah. Um, so the second takeaway is we've talked a lot about spiritual health. Uh, spiritual health and spir- spiritual maturity are two different things. Uh, spiritual maturity will come as you become disciplined in living in the way that would give spiritual health. 
as you grow in that way. Uh, so for instance, a psychological concept a lot of people found popular uh, over the last few years is uh, emotional, uh, the emotional quotient EQ or, or uh, having, have, knowing how to have good relationships. Uh, this, this comes with emotional maturity as well. Um, you can tell someone who's spiritually immature a lot of times because they are emotionally immature. Mm -hmm. But you need to understand uh, spiritual health, spiritual maturity, both important, need, need to know something about them. Very dangerous, though, to accept the wrong ideas. Uh, for instance, I, I read, every once in a while I just get this interest now, um, you can read movie scripts online. And uh, a while back I read, I, I've seen it a long time ago, but I read the script for The Silence of the Lambs, and it is a compelling script. Yeah. It, 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 is, it is frightening to just read Hannibal Lecter and the engagement, the way he interacts. And it should be, because think about him. He has emotional maturity, but his spiritual health is completely destroyed. Right. He no longer cares about anyone. Right. He's a sociopath. Right. He, he doesn't care about anyone. He'll do whatever it takes right. so that he, his desires will be met. Right. That should frighten you, because that is a possible end for hum, a human. That's what we can become. And that's an evil end. We, we are capable of this sort of stuff. It is a mercy of God, I think, that a lot of times he lets people around us who are spiritually unhealthy and spiritually immature, their emotional health tips us off that they're not somebody that's very trustworthy. Yeah. You know what I mean? If the world were populated by serial killers, we would, um, I think, be a lot more on our toes about spiritual needs. And yeah. I, I think anybody, um, my wife reads Crime Junkie or listens to Crime Junkie podcasts and different uh, ones. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Man, it just makes you aware that, look, there are dangerous people in this world. You cannot, uh, you need to know about the basic facts of what's happening and, yeah. and what's going on with people and not just assume that it'll all turn out okay. Have you ever seen Red Dragon, the oh, prequel? Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's, uh, I think, one of the people that he kills and eats and serves to his guests was a, a, a member of the orchestra sympathy that he went and listened to mm -hmm. and he thought that the individual did not play the piece of music well mm -hmm. worthy of, its, right. of it and he believed right. that he should be killed and eaten mm -hmm. basically and this sense that like he was able to oh, this is a fictional character but he was able to, to come to justify an, an action of yeah, I don't believe that this individual should be alive anymore. Like, mm -hmm. I don't think he's worthy of his profession and therefore should be eliminated from society. Right. Uh, so in a sense, Hannibal Lecter not only is a psychopath, but he's an elitist, right? right. And therefore, he's acting like a god. Right. Saying, I will determine what is, what is, who should live and who should die, right? Right. And yeah. that's why he, that's why he likes Carlise, right? That's why he's connected with her because he thinks she is... Worthy right. of his affection, of his interaction, right. of his help. Yep. So think about that as an application of all yeah. the things that we've been talking about. That is spiritual maturity of the wrong kind. Right. He's applying the ideas that he's come up with in his life to his own ends. Right. And, and is not afraid. Right. No, not, no more interested in, yeah, yeah, not interested in truth, not interested in goodness, not interested in beauty, interested in. Uh, I mean, I guess in a way he can't get away from his conceptions of beauty, right. but interested in defining everything himself. Yes. Uh, I think everything, every moral intuition in your body tells you, whoa, I don't want to end up there. Uh, there's something about that that is horribly wrong. Uh, okay, trace that out. Yeah. Because you can get there. The only thing that has kept you from getting there is you have generally not actually follow through on some of the things yeah. that you think are true. We, yeah. we, we don't. 
uh, we've divorced ourselves from a lot of understanding of what spiritual things are about, and we're paying for it. Uh, yeah. and we, and we just don't have to. Francis Schaeffer talks about that, you know, allowing, pushing people to the, um, to the consequence of their worldview. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, he always says removing the roof. You know, people, what they do is they'll have a worldview, or they'll have the, they'll have the workings of a worldview, mm-hmm. right, of their beliefs, and they'll keep a roof on. They'll, 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 and it sits like you're talking, they'll, they'll dip their toe in and they'll kind of create this buffer. Yep. They won't allow it to, to go to the end. Right. And Schaefer's like, well, encourage them to remove the roof. Yep. Let them go all in in their worldview. Let them go to, let them go to the end of their, of their, of their, uh, of the consequences and the, let them there for it, right? Yep. To the end. And when they do that, it'll lead them to despair. Mm-hmm. Because they really realize, well, if I'm the determiner of, of what exists and what is real and what is good to me, the, therefore, the consequences of that is you're the determiner of whatever you want to determine, right? Yeah. And, and honestly, you, you don't, nothing can stop you right. because who has the right to stop you, right? Uh, and so there is a sense where I think what we've been talking about is, is pushing people to, to go along with what they're saying mm-hmm. and hopefully they come to a realization, whoa, whoa, whoa I don't know if I like where this goes. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I like the where this ends. And and maybe I need to to realize that I'm probably not a good definer of what is good and what is bad or right. what is real and what right. is not real, what is true and what is not true. Maybe I need to look outside of myself. Right. Uh, and maybe I need to talk to someone. And, and how do you define metaphysics? How do you define God? How mm-hmm. do you define human existence? Yep. And you know, argue with that and, and challenge that and 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 and, and, and interact with that right. and and yeah and go all in right. So yeah, and it, which is a great place to it. This is the last thing I had to say as far as accountability. We've talked about uh, the problem that a spiritual director is kind of accountable to no one. Right. They, they they want to do better about this is one thing they say in here, and it's like, well, that's going to be difficult because you're you you are saying I don't know anything particular I stand for. It's like, okay, so what would I hold you accountable to? Right. Uh, you, you're saying to me, I'll talk to people uh, through Zoom or in person about what? What am I supposed to hold you accountable to that you will do that? Um, and, and so look, I, very straightforwardly, I'll say pastors are and ought to be accountable. Yeah. I'm accountable, first of all, to my pastor. I'm accountable to my church. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if I do something that is unbecoming of a minister, I, I will be fired and I should be fired. Exactly. Uh, I mean, and I can ask you straight away, who are you accountable to right. here, Matt? Right. I am accountable not only to God, I'm accountable to my other pastors and elders, and I'm accountable to the congregation that right. put me where I am. So they have authority, according to God's word, to that if I have sinned and... F- and falling short of the of the office that I'm in, that I should be disciplined right. publicly. Right. But that doesn't mean that I, after repentance, shouldn't be reconciled. Maybe not right. to my position, but to the congregation, right. to the people. Right. Well, and but there is a sense where, uh, yeah, I'm 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 beholden to not I'm beholden to people. Right. So. You know, and and so look, we have known churches who have failed in this way, sure. and I am I, I apologize for that. We, we should be doing better for that. If you meet with a pastor. Listen, it is not a... If you find a pastor who bristles at this question, who are you accountable to? I would not feel much of a need to go much further. Yeah, Look, I, am, I have no problem telling people who I am accountable to because right. I need to be accountable to people. Right. I'm not an island. I don't, I don't need to walk around with ultimate power to do whatever I want yeah. and not answer any... That's not the way to live. Right. That's not the way to live. Right. You know? Uh, so 
So pastors ought to be accountable. Right. The Christian moral code is known. It is, it is right there, right. present in the Bible. I, I, I should be expected as much as I can to be like Jesus Christ, who is my moral example. Right. And when I fail, yes, I do fail. I am still a sinner. But I wake up. What it is to me to be a Christian is I wake up every day renewing my commitment to him, saying, I know that I fail, but I, I want to live for him. And I, and I appreciate that he gives me this church context where I get to live. And that is what it is to be a pastor. You should have accountability. Every pastor should. We've actually talked in the podcast about an accountability problem that can exist within evangelicalism. You know, look, yeah. uh, that's, that's something that can happen, but it doesn't have to. And, and frankly, accountability is a good thing. We want to be there. We want to be there. So uh, if, if you would like to talk more about these kind of things, listen, call a local church, mm-hmm. ask, hey, could I sit down with yeah. a pastor and talk right. for an hour about yeah. some things? Yeah. Set it up. I mean, I'll tell you, I, I, I say this to our congregation when I preach, but there are, uh, sure, there's things that pastors do that they would rather not do. Sure. They do. But one thing that I've yet to find a pastor who goes, ah, I don't want to do that, is sit down and meet with somebody and talk to them. I think that's why we're in it. We are part about, we're part, it's about people. It's a people business. It's about meeting and interacting with people. And obviously, I always say this to people too. They're always afraid, like, you know, I don't know if I want to talk about religion. It's like, you realize I can't force you to believe in anything. (laughs) Right. I have no plans to remind you. I can't force you. (laughs) Like, you. You you have your you're gonna believe what you believe. Like I can't I can persuade you, but I can't force you to come to church. Right. I can't force you to believe in Jesus. I can't force you to pray, and I can't force you to read the Bible. I can't do any of those things. Now I can answer your questions. I can encourage you. I can I can plead with you. I can pray for you, but I can't make you do anything. I don't have those powers. Right. Um, so don't be afraid. And if anyone, any pastor says that he can do those things, <laughs> run away. <laughs> it was like he doesn't have that power. Right. And, uh, and hopefully you f- definitely find one who's, who comes off as very humble. Uh, and and, and if, they, if you ask a question and they don't know the answer and they go, you know, honestly, I don't think I know that yeah. answer. But, you know, I'm, I'm willing to, to figure that out and maybe we can talk about it. That's even better. Sure. Those guys are gold. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, there you go. Here's my two cents on that. Yep. That's all I have. All right. Well, this has been Empires of the Future. And we will see you in the future. All right. See you later. When I was a boy, mother said, son, got a